None of us want to be boring blue and personality less. Every brand will find itself at a different point on that continuum and, and really you just need to figure out what makes sense for, for where you are in your, your journey. Welcome to Real Creative Leadership, a place where creative leaders can find insights and practical guidance on the day-to-day -day job of being a creative leader. We focus on real issues, topics, and insights of creativity in the business world. Join me as we explore the best strategies for developing your team, getting others to embrace your vision, and generating amazing experiences. This webinar series is produced by The Stoke Group. I'm your host, Adam Morgan, Adobe Executive Creative Director and author of Sorry Spock Emotions Drive Business. And this is Real Creative Leadership. Hello and welcome to Real Creative Leadership. This is season two, episode 10. And what an interesting topic we have for you today. So as marketers, as advertisers and branders, we, we often, there are a lot of companies that we've helped rebrand over the years, I'm sure. Many of you may have gone through an exercise of, of helping your company change its name or change the new look. I know at Adobe, we went through a rebranding about a year and a half ago. Um, so it's something that a lot of us have dealt with, which is really interesting. And we have a special guest today. We have Leela Srinivasan, and she is the CMO of Momentive, also known as SurveyMonkey. Survey Monkey. And we're going to talk about their journey and their story. And then here's the interesting part. Then we're going to relate it back to how do we as uh, individuals rebrand ourselves? Maybe some of you are at a company and you want to try something new. And sure, it's easy to jump ship and go to another company, but it's really challenging to try and change the, the, the point of view of others around you at a company that you currently work for. So we're going to talk through that and we're going to try and find some parallels. And if not, you know, we'll at least have an interesting conversation about the topic. So that's our plan today. And first, I want to like start with uh, Leela. If you would like to just introduce yourself and give some people some background, a little bit more about you and your company and, and how you came to be in the position that you are, and then we'll get going from there. Sounds great. Thank you, Adam. Uh, my, so again, my name is Leela Shunavasan. I am the CMO of Momentive, the company formerly known as SurveyMonkey. We'll get into that in a lot more depth soon, I'm sure. Uh, I grew up in Scotland, I've been in the States for uh, 20 years and uh, <laughs> have spent the last mm, 12 or so of those in a marketing role, uh, working first at LinkedIn, uh, then at OpenTable, at Lever, which is recruiting software, and then ultimately here at uh, Momentive. Um, before that, prior lives, I had a career in sales and also in management consulting. There was a little business school in the middle there somewhere. Um, so I've... I've, I've uh, Kind of journey, meandered my way to marketing, but uh, really, it turns out really like marketing for multiple reasons. And then, you know, my journey to Momentive um, um, was an interesting one. I joined the company uh, almost three and a half years ago, and uh, my journey, in some ways, is a microcosm of the the reason to rebrand. When I got the the cold email from Tom Hale, our president, I didn't respond to it at first um, <laughs> because I didn't think it was relevant for me. I had used uh, SurveyMonkey tools and technologies for uh, throughout my consulting and marketing career to that point. And I loved the technology. It was super cool. It was useful. It helped me uncover insights from key audiences like customers and team members and event goers and so forth. But um, to my mind, I, you know, I bought an online self-serve uh, solution, basically a tool. And uh, I was an, uh, a B2B marketer and thought of myself in the enterprise space. And I just didn't think I would be the right kind of marketer for a SurveyMonkey. And it took a headhunter 
pulling me aside and saying, yeah, I need to talk to these guys. <laughs> you are exactly what they want. They're on this journey to the enterprise. It took that conversation for me to return Tom's email and ultimately engage in, in discussion and then realize actually I was the CMO that they needed to begin that journey to the enterprise. So the last three and a half years have been about helping, you know, moving through IPO, making a couple of acquisitions um, that really cemented some of our, our enterprise capabilities, and then going through this rebrand journey to help the company, uh, the company identity match the company that we are today. So I'll stop there. And uh, I guess we'll see where that takes us, Adam. <laughs> well, I love there are two things that I pulled out of that that I think are fascinating. <clears throat> First of all, awesome. Glad you finally made it to the marketing side. We need great people like you. That's awesome. And the fact that you didn't think that you were the right fit for this, this other brand. Like, I think that's a huge, you know, telling notion that maybe sometimes we need to widen our, our, our view of what we think things should be. Maybe we are, we don't need to be niche into B2B or B2C or whatever. Like it could be all things and we can jump from department to department. Like that's a good part or a good way to start this whole conversation. As you're, as you're building a brand, you need to take away all the assumptions that the brand only stands for one thing or you only stand for one thing and that we can start to look and explore new options. That's pretty fascinating. That's awesome. Well, let's start out about your, let's talk about some history. Let's talk about Momentive and the rebrand that you just went through. Yeah. Um, so take us back and maybe tell us a little more about this journey. What was the catalyst that pushed you to do a rebrand? Like, did, did they know this three and a half years ago when they, when they came after you that they're like, we're going B2B and we're going enterprise or what were some of the steps or the, or the, the milestones along the way that, that pushed you along this journey? Sure. So the company at the time definitely knew it was, it was striding toward the enterprise. We knew that would be a huge part of our future. Uh, but the conversation I had three and a half years ago was not, hey, we need to rebrand the company. Mm -hmm. And that is not the first place that you go, especially when you have a brand like SurveyMonkey. SurveyMonkey has been around for almost 22 years and really uh, created and defined the online survey category, right? Um, the brand, and I know this because we are good students and we eat in our own restaurant, if you will, we're continuously tracking our brand and understanding um, awareness all the way through the funnel, but also people's perceptions of it. And so uh, we knew that so the SurveyMonkey brand was uh, very well known and uh, you know, 30 percentage points ahead of its nearest competitor um, in, in the space and also beloved from, from name research that we had done. Um, and all of the success that we had in that self-serve platform over the years gave us the runway to develop these enterprise offerings based on customer feedback that they were looking for, um, for enterprise grade um, functionality. Um, but as we continued that, um, that uh, gathering feedback from our stakeholders, our customers and so forth, we also had to be um, cognizant of the fact that when we asked people to, uh, and especially and specifically business buyers who were an increasingly important audience to us, when we asked them what uh, words came to, to mind in association with our name, uh, there were certainly some great positive attributes in there, uh, like, uh, you know, intuitive, easy to use, powerful. Um, but there were also words like cute and fun. Mm -hmm. And uh, what we saw when we delved into our win-loss uh, surveys and reports was that our brand, while it could be an incredible door opener for us because people did have these positive connotations of SurveyMonkey, it was also starting to pigeonhole us as a specifically and exclusively a survey tool that people associated with this um, small, small business or individual use case. And so the catalyst was somewhere in uh, you know, getting this data on an ongoing basis, 
um, working through our strategic planning cycles as an organization and thinking about how our business was evolving. You know, today, 30% or more of our revenues actually come from the enterprise, and that number is continuing to climb up at a rapid rate. And also, I think critically, in the last 15 months or so, going through uh, everything that we've just been through as a society, uh, seeing and hearing firsthand from our customers how they were using our technology for these mission-critical use cases and needs that you just wouldn't associate with this sort of cute and fun uh, individual usage survey tool. And so, you know, today looking at across our almost 9,000 enterprise customers that we have, you know, it's names like Carrefour, the, the, the giant French supermarket chain, IBM, Intuit, Allbirds. Uh, these are companies that are turning to us, the decision makers at those companies are turning to us to shape what's next for their businesses. And we knew ultimately that um, based on all of the feedback and we, we I think in the, in the process of the rebrand, we had 10 uh, distinct pieces of research that were run, six quant and four qual, 22,000 perspectives gathered as part of that, that, uh, that journey. The evidence was clear. We, what, and what we wanted to do was, keep, was almost have our cake and eat it. So today, SurveyMonkey remains a really critical brand in our portfolio and it is an excellent brand for a self-serve product but Momentive will come to the fore now as our brand for the enterprise. And we could not be more excited about that. Oh, that's excellent. You know, it's interesting when you mentioned the, the, um, the words of cute and fun. Hmm. I've also noticed that's, that's certainly, I guess, kind of a macro trend on a lot of startups or smaller com companies often have a brand that represents more rebellious, fun, you know, freewheeling type of a, of a feeling. And then as you mature as a company, you get to a point where you're like, okay, you know, we've had the same problem with the word creative um, at Adobe. You know, some people take that as too silly, right, for for enterprise. Um, and it's more, it's not like walking away from those roots, but how do you tell a story in a way that still holds on to that that good baggage, but then also lets you, you know, mature a little bit more. Yeah, and I think it's also probably true for people, right? Like as we get moving up the, you know, our leadership skills, we we can't be as silly and, and foolhardy as we were in college. We have to have some, you know, seriousness to us, but not so serious that, that you lose all that fun. Yeah, it's, it's so interesting, Adam, because I, I you know, I, I, when I look out on this, the landscape of enterprise uh, companies out there, many of them are trying to figure out how to become more approachable and how to become more fun, because none of us want to be boring blue and yeah. personality less. Uh, and we were sort of going a little bit in the opposite direction of, wanting to find our more serious and aspirational and dynamic side um, that really, again, would speak to the enterprise. So every brand will find itself at a different point on that continuum. And, and really, you just need to figure out what makes sense for, for where you are in your, your journey. Oh, excellent. Well, maybe tell us some, like, what are some of the uh, roadblocks that you had to overcome or obstacles? I'm sure there were some, you know, more yeah. than just like brand recognition that we're moving away from. Yeah. Well, first off, not a roadblock, but the timing had to be right. I will say for probably two and a half to three years of my time at this company, this was something that I at least had conversations about with our CEO, for example. And uh, we debated pros and cons, and the, there wasn't a critical mass of evidence or real impetus until uh, some point in 2020. So I think it was, you know, part of it was, this is not a straightforward exercise. It is a labor of love. It is a massive undertaking, and you need to be sure that it's the right direction. So that was a little bit of the sort of the internal obstacle, but I think the right obstacle, the right consideration. Uh, what I will say is um, 
the internal stuff, when you rebrand a company, so one of the things I probably underestimated in uh, the initial discussions around this is right for the business was, okay, rebranding a company means soup to nuts, rebranding so many touch points that are both with our external customers, but also with our internal employees. So, you know, the name of our workday instance, for example, will shift, you know, shifting to Momentive, our Email uh, domains just shifted uh, last week to Momentum.ai, which is our new domain. And so I never dreamed I would be working so closely with our business systems mm-hmm. lead and our IT lead and our HR uh, partners to just think through all of the systems ramifications. So less of an obstacle to, to overcome. We, you know, we knew this was the right, the right move for the business, but more of a consideration in terms of the timeline of how things actually play out behind the scenes to make this uh, this rebrand a reality. Hmm. That's so interesting, I think. And the other part of it is changing perception of people, not just outside, but inside the company, right? Like do people, are is everyone on board for this new change? Is everyone on yeah. board for you know the new brand and what it represents? I'll yeah. share a funny, really an old story. So there was a, before Adobe, I worked in that ad agency world for 20 years and there was one brand, it was a, uh, a car, dealership that was like regional and they were going through this rebrand you know back in the old days it was like high pressure sales and everything and we went through a rebrand for this company i remember there was one general manager of one of the stores who said well that's it if we're now going to stand for listening to the customer and just doing what they want then i'm out and he like quit that day and we were just so shocked we're like what like (laughs) i guess it's you know there are people that are really set in their ways on what the old brand was all about and they may not be willing to move to something new yeah yeah it's it's uh, wow imagine imagine that listening to the customer mind-blowing right Um, what i will say is in those 10 pieces of research that i mentioned one of those was a fairly comprehensive employee survey which we launched under the guise of informing our employer brand, which clearly we want to do both then as SurveyMonkey and now as Momentum, but really also to just listen in and understand our employees' uh, perspectives on on the the name and their uh, level of attachment to it, whether they in their heart of hearts felt it it really measured up as an enterprise brand and so forth. So we we had enough, we gleaned enough insight from that particular survey to feel confident that in fact the vast majority of employees were going to be with us. And once they understood the rationale and the fact that SurveyMonkey remains a you know, really critical and beloved brand in our portfolio, that the vast majority were going to be really excited about this change as well, because they too recognize the limitations of the name SurveyMonkey for our future direction. So uh, you know, I, won't, I won't pretend that 100% were on board on day one. Um, there is a sense of, you know, there's almost like a sense of loss or mourning that can happen when you've been so attached to a specific identity for, in some cases, a decade or more, as I look across our employee base. But again, uh, you know, as we've continued to discuss this internally, our, our, our team gets it, right? They're, they're on the front lines and often, uh, in many cases, every day. They hear the, the uh, customer stories, they, they hear their customers' reactions. And I think what's been so gratifying is hearing how customers have continued to react post-rebrand and continued to uh, share out how positively they're feeling about this this direction because it much better aligns to the direction that we're partnering with them. Yeah, fair enough. And so here, let's segue a little bit. So we've talked about, all right, there was a lot of work you put into this rebrand, a lot of conversations, surveys, name changes, getting people on board, everything that goes into a rebrand. And I, from her firsthand experience, I know it's so much work. It's a lot of work. But then you get to that moment of, okay, we're going to share this with the world. 
And a big part of that is what is the what is the story? You've got to come out with a new story and share, you know, the important elements of that story to to the outside world. So talk to me about crafting that story. And and there are a few things, you know, that I've just picked out. You can, you know, talk talk to me if this was like true or not, but you know, it's almost like you've got to show where it's coming from the past, hooks to the past, where you're going in the future and why this matters why this makes you different, why you're doing it, any of those questions that you kind of anticipate people might have. So talk to me about the process of creating the story that, that went out. Absolutely. And uh, it's, there's also sort of creating the story um, in parallel with coming up with the right name because the whole, there's a whole naming thing which we can, we can talk about separately. But as far as the story was concerned, yeah, you're absolutely right, especially in a situation where we are not uh, where we're, 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 we're not ditching the old brand by any means, we're holding on to it and continuing to, to celebrate it. Um, it's important to um, create those hooks into the past and help customers, employees, other stakeholders understand uh, that evolution and why now from that name while still uh, making it clear that that name is, is staying in the portfolio. Another thing, just going beyond the name, of course, uh, what you'll see with our Momentive brand, and when you look at the, the logo, you'll see um, that the choice of uh, shapes in that logo is very deliberate, very intentional. We have uh, basically positioned momentum at the intersection of humanity, which is represented by the, the curved yellow uh, quarter circle and technology, which is the blue up into the right triangle. And what happens when you add yellow and blue? Well, you get this very pleasing shade of green, heritage green as we call it, because green is a color that speaks directly to Serbian monkeys' heritage and roots. And we really love to celebrate the color green. And so, so that was like one uh, very visual hook to the past, I would say that we, we had in there. In developing the story to the future, a lot of it is inspired, frankly, by our customers, right? So, so one of the things that um, I don't think you mentioned in the sort of the elements of the story is, how is this true in the world today? Mm -hmm. And when you go to momentum.ai, our new site, the first thing you'll see in that hero, uh, hero spot, uh, the top of our homepage is uh, a woman by the name of Tamara Beresford who runs digital transformation at NASDAQ. And Tamara is quite literally the poster person, if you will, for this rebrand in that she has been leaning on our technologies, in this case, our customer experience solutions to shape what's next for NASDAQ digitally. And when you click through to the customer section of the site, you see other stories like that uh, uh, from John Vanestes at uh, LG Electronics, for example, who relies on our employee experience solutions to shape what's next for the employee base at, at LG and stories from, from other companies like Allbirds and, and um, Puma and so forth, who again, it's, it's these empowered decision makers who are shaping what's next with our technology. So one of the most critical elements of the story for me was absolutely, okay, we can say something, we can share a story, but how can we bring that to life and help people understand that it is happening today? It is happening, uh, and through the through the voice of our customer, this is how this is playing out at thousands and thousands of, of companies globally. So that was that was super important, I think, to the development of the story. Well, I love having you talked about how these people are the 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 real world example of of that brand, you know, coming to life. And, and you get to share their stories on your website, but I'd like to hear your story. Like, let's talk about you. How has this experience shaped your career? How has it changed you? What have you learned from it personally? Let's dig into, you know, your journey as you went through, you know, as, as a guide to this rebranding effort, what it's done for you and your career in your life. Well, I will say 
it's still very early days, right? <laughs> it's still drying on, on the logo as it were. But, um, you know, one of the things that attracted me to Momentum in the first place, and one of the things that I believe to be true as I continue to develop as a professional is just the importance of having a growth mindset mm-hmm. and leaning into learning and thinking about how you can continue to expand your set of skills and experiences and, and capabilities. And I will say uh, being at Momentum for this, for this shift is probably one of, is probably the greatest professional privilege of my career in some ways, right? Um, what a learning experience, uh, soup to nuts, from everything from even thinking through the strategy up front and having those conversations all the way up to the board level, uh, to working closely with our agency partners to vet names and think about, okay, from this sea of names, we can go in any direction at all. What is the direction we're gonna choose? Which name are we gonna go for? and why and how can we develop that story alongside it? To thinking about how to bring that to life, to working through some of these behind the scenes uh, challenges and, and things that we needed to work with internally to, uh, to just you know, make this happen, uh, both for our employees and, and, and externally, to thinking about, okay, well, what's the campaign that we're gonna, gonna um, run with to, to blow this out? To how is this gonna flow through our sales team? I mean, there are so many areas, surface areas of this, this problem, if you will, that it's sort of hard to, it's hard to, to really distill the learnings um, that I've had. I can tell you it has been 15 months of nonstop learning, both for me, for the team, because this took a village to pull off. Um, and it's the kind of thing that you, you could almost imagine writing a book about down the road because the learnings have been, have been that rich, I would say. And sometimes that's hard. It's hard to see the learnings when you're in the middle of it, right? Like after you pause, you can look back and go, oh yeah, I can see where I learned this and this and this and that. And that's definitely a part of that experience that you have as a, as a professional and just, you know, training your brain to understand those different things of, you know, if I had to do it all over, how would I do it again? That's, that's awesome. Yeah. One of the things that I, I decided to do, Adam, was like, keep almost not quite a journal, but this is my, Mm. my notebook for the last four months of the, of the rebrand. And uh, just so I could remember some of the, some of the details, some of the minutiae that came up that we just, again, you just, there are so many different aspects to, to, to a project like this and you, you just can't possibly contemplate all of them at the outset. So a lot of it becomes about, okay, how am I gonna solve problems on the fly? How am I gonna deploy a mini team or um, get to the bottom of a, a, something that's become a blocker for us because this is the one thing that's holding us up. So, uh, you know, I, I hope that I can make sense of these notes down the line, but uh, you know, I, I think to your, to your point, like when you're living it in the moment, sometimes it's just really hectic and it's hard to, to retain all the details otherwise. Well, now you're talking my language. I want to see those notes. That would be fun. Just <laughs> scan a page or two of those and we'll share them out. That'd be kind of fun. I, I've done something similar. I have the same type of notebook here that I've kept since, uh, you know, 1996. Um, and I labeled them all. I know it's like like from the movie Seven, like I'm a little crazy, like people are gonna find my notebooks and be like, what's going on? But I think it's helpful. It's like good to take those notes and look back and look at all the ideas or, you know, things you've learned along the way. I think it's fascinating. Sorry, that was totally not on the on the plan, but we're definitely talking about notebooks now. But um, let's transition. Okay, we've talked a lot about, you know, the rebrand of Momentive and, and SurveyMonkey. And now let's try as best we can to relate that back to a personal brand. But before we get into that, um, you said that you mentioned that you taught some classes on building a personal brand as well. And I'd love you to just, just explain a little bit about that, like maybe some of the highlights or some of the key things that you teach in, in terms of building a personal brand and what's important. 
Absolutely. So not to not to overplay the the classes I've taught. So what what happens at uh, Momentum? One of the things that we do as uh, as leaders at the company is we periodically volunteer to lead uh, what we call curiosity chats. So our our mission is to uh, power the curious so that they can shape what's next. And one of our you know our, our employee value proposition. Why would you join Momentum? We talk about Momentum as the place where the curious come to grow. So embedded in that is this notion of a curiosity chat where uh, a handful of our executive team will sign up each quarter to teach a mini class. And the class takes the form of three sessions that are almost like workshops where a small group comes together to workshop through through an idea. And the one that I uh, stepped up to say, hey, I'd love to to have some discussion around this notion of personal brand. That was that was the the class uh, that I mentioned. Uh, So as I think about some of the elements of it, I mean, we begin by just thinking about, well, what is, what even is brand? What is your personal brand? And yeah, it was a bunch of, I'm sure, scholarly definitions of what, mm-hmm. what brand is. But for me, and, this, and in this personal context as well, it's sort of like, it's what people say about you when you're not in the room. Um, that's true at the company level and it's true at the individual level. In some ways, it's a little harder to read at the individual level because uh, people aren't always honest with you, even when you ask them for feedback. Mm-hmm. And one of the things that we've noted in the last several years uh, we talk about how organizations have been navigating the feedback economy, where you've got this combination of the web being super transparent and people having really heightened expectations of experiences and just this age-old desire of consumers to be heard and to feel like their feedback means something. That's led to just this explosion of feedback about products, services, experiences. And you see that whenever you tune into a social channel or or uh, you know, customers, uh, sorry, companies rather polling their customers all the time, that sort of thing. So feedback is flowing thick and fast into companies. Um, at, on the personal level, it's a little different. You don't have that constant influx of feedback. If you're lucky, there might be a performance review or something at work. If you're really lucky, it includes 360 feedback, but even that is not enough. It's not enough for you to really understand how you are perceived and what people say about you when you're not in the room. So the point of the class was, first of all, to encourage people to go out and actually maybe find some of that information by launching a quick, simple survey and asking people they trusted, what are the first three or four words that come to mind when you think about me as a professional? And, uh, you know, stewing on that information and then spending some time reflecting on how they want to be seen. What are the, what are the aspects of their, 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 um, their persona that they want to dial up and be known for? And resolving to, to find a path to creating more stories around that to moving in that direction. Um, But I think with personal brand, much like uh, the corporate brand, it has to be based in reality, right? Mm -hmm. It can't just be a, well, I wanna be seen as a, you know, a world-class tennis player when there's no like they're there. Uh, Mm -hmm. So I think that's the thing we were encouraging people to do was be really realistic uh, about what is the, what authentically can they bring to the table as they are thinking through their brand. This is, this is great. This is fascinating. So if we look back at what you did for the rebrand of Momentive, you started first with research. You started first with understanding yourself, understanding what you stood for. And, and you're right. I don't think we get good feedback as, as people because we don't want to hurt someone's feelings. Like we don't want to say something directly to face, but there are perceptions in this world of what people see you as, what your skills are and what you're good at. And that is an excellent first step before you go rebranding yourself at all is find out what you're really, what you stand for. And I think you nailed it when you said maybe a little survey. I mean, I've been toying uh, with an idea for creative leadership of like this 50 point thing of all the different values and skills of a, of a leader, of a creative leader and what they stand for. And then the scale of, you know, what, 
you know, where you are on that journey. But I, I don't think you have to be that complex, but digging at, yeah, what are the, what, trying to find those perceptions and trying to find what people really, really think about you. That is an excellent first step. Do a survey monkey, go out there, <laughs> send it to not just, you know, friends or blind or whatever it may be. And they don't know who the person it is maybe. And then they can be a little more real and rather than, you know, knowing that it's about you, but I think that's actually, I actually have a, I have a tip. So I have to give a, a shout out to Morgan Molnar on my team. She runs product marketing for our uh, global insights business. She has a, a, a post on LinkedIn, which I'll, I can shoot over to you afterwards mm -hmm. where she details how she went through this process. Uh, she may even share the survey. I'm not sure, but uh, it, it, it was a super simple survey. I think that's the point is you can keep it really simple. Uh, the other thing I would do is pair that survey with uh, more qualitative feedback. And I think the key here is to go to people whose opinions you trust and couch the whole conversation in, look, I, I'm looking to grow as a leader. I'm looking to grow as a, a professional. I know I need feedback to uncover blind spots and to take things to the next level. So with that as the backdrop, let's talk about where you see me today. And I think letting people, giving people almost permission mm -hmm. to be constructive, I think is an important part of that dialogue because to your point, people are typically gonna be kind, uh, kind to your face and want to soften the blow. But if there's something that is a blind spot for you, I think you need to give people permission to open up that conversation. And that's a good segue into what I think is the next step, which is some real self-reflection. Uh, it's probably just human that we all think, oh, I'm doing the job already of the position I want. I already am as good as the leaders above me. Mm -hmm. And it's so funny in my experience, going through the same thing recently, it's like, I can look down my team and see people who are ready or who are not ready. And I have a perspective as to why, you know, from, you know, different data points, but we're often blind to that same thing looking up. So, you know, if, if I think that I'm the best ever, you know, creative leader in the world, I'm not, there's a good chance I'm not. And there are a lot, are a lot of blind spots. So uncovering those gaps, I think are critical before you can even grow. You have to find out what those gaps are. Yeah. And there, there's a, a level of humility that you just have to have as a leader. I think back to uh, my conversations with uh, the great Mike Ganson, who was a, a, one of my favorite all-time leaders at LinkedIn. And I remember once asking him, like, how do you, you're so good. How do you keep getting better? And uh, his response was along the lines of that he took some time at the end of every day to just reflect on what could have gone better. And the reality is it doesn't matter how good or bad you are. There are always things you can be doing better. And this is, you know, coming back to that notion of a growth mindset where Let's just be honest about the fact we're not nailing each and every thing that we, we tackle in our lives on a, on a daily basis. I often come out of meetings going, ah, you know, I could have could have done this or I should have brought up this point or I should have sounded less defensive or I should have, you know, th there's all that. But I think you have to um, learn from that. You have to just resolve to be conscious of it and know that it's, it's OK. Like, you know, this is all part of your personal growth is just documenting and thinking about these areas of, uh, of opportunity that you have. Oh, excellent. And I think it's really, once you have all that information, once you've got, you know, a good, some research, some good, you know, qualitative by talking with some people, getting some, you know, good gap assessment, I think it really comes down to a decision. And I wonder if this is something you all, certainly you had to, to cross this bridge, which is as, as your personal brand, you have to decide looking at what the perception is, is it, is there a way that we can change the story and there's an opportunity or is it best to just try something new, you know, jump to another company? Obviously it's a lot easier to just, you know, as we were talking about story and narrative, like I want to dig into that a little bit of, 
you know, as you, as momentum went out, you had, you had this amazing big blog post that you had to go through that whole narrative of like how, why, what you're doing, how this is better for the future. And I think if you jump ship and you go to another company, it's easy to go to your LinkedIn profile, your resume and rewrite that story. In fact, some people probably need to. I think a lot of people that have been looking for new jobs, they just keep the same old story and assume that that's, that's the best step to the next job. And it's not like you've got to rewrite that story in a way that reflects the new brand of you, the new position you're looking for, right? So that's one decision. Do I just, do I not rebrand, you know, and stay at this company? Or do I just start a new company, right? Do I start a new brand for myself and go somewhere else? Or the harder choice is if I stay, how do I change that perception and how do I tell that new story? Yeah, well, well, let's let's step back and just think about like, you know, I said brand is what people say about you when you're not in the room, but what are the elements that constitute that brand? I think it's a few things, it's your words, and that could be words on your LinkedIn profile, your words in a, an email or whatever it is, your actions, and then also how people experience you, basically. So, so it's one thing to say, I'm going to change my personal brand, but that has to show up in your actions and your interactions with others, right? So, so I think anything is possible. Uh, and I, 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 know, I know there's um, the zeitgeist is very much to go find your next play outside. And sometimes that's the right decision, sometimes it's not. Um, but I always encourage people to look at the opportunities that are in front of them within the organization, because if you've been building that brand over time, uh, that brand can really accelerate your, your internal career development. I look at Ryan Roslansky, CEO, back to LinkedIn again, right? I mean, he's the CEO of LinkedIn. I remember him from when he was just a product manager in a room with me and a bunch of other people in monetization on Monday mornings, right? Mm -hmm. And he stuck with LinkedIn. Do you think he would be CEO of a another company, maybe he would, but he developed that, that reputation over a period of, of many years. So in, in, as part of that self-reflection, you have to just be really honest about, okay, how am I showing up? It's one thing for me to want to be XYZ uh, role or be perceived in a certain way, but I have to follow that up with my actions and the way I treat people because people will always remember how you made them feel. So it's, uh, it can be done. Um, one other th thought here, um, Adam, is I think about some of the career transitions I've made. And the thing that was now seems so obvious that probably wasn't at the time was that your boss is not a mind reader. <laughs> <laughs> they may do many things, but they don't actually know what matters to you and how you're looking to evolve your career and your brand as part of that. So I think back to my career in sales. I worked for a company called Business Wire, a commercial newswire service. It's part of Berkshire Hathaway these days. And I remember going to a sales uh, uh, conference we had every year. And at the time I was an account executive, I carried a bag, I had my territory, I was having conversations with customers day in, day out, and I was enjoying the work, but I had this desire to uh, pursue and explore uh, people management, which wasn't part of my role at the time, I was an IC. And I happened to sit next to a VP of sales at a dinner, we were just chatting away and he was just, you know, shooting the breeze and asking me how things were going and how was I thinking about things? And I said, well, you know, I'm glad you, you asked Frank, actually, I've been want something I'd love to do and it doesn't have to be tomorrow and it doesn't have to be even this year, but I do want to at some point in my career explore uh, people management. Um, I, I just, just, it's just something that I have a desire to, to try. And he's like, oh, that's interesting. And then what he didn't know was he was going to go back to his office a few weeks later and the woman he had planned to promote into a people role was going to be leaving the company. So nice. I, came, I came to mind because I said something to someone I, I met and it was just serendipity, but I would never have expected him to think of me if I hadn't actually voiced that desire. So it's sort of like lay, lay the foundations of being just a really good 
employee and delivering on your promises and uh, you know, be, being gaining a reputation as being somebody that people want to have on a team uh, and perform and, and do what you need to do. But don't be afraid to also voice you know, what, what you'd love to see in your future, because only when you voice that can somebody potentially help you get there. Oh, that's totally fair. And what you talked about before was akin to what you'd mentioned on the, the earlier call with me was uh, your insides have to match your outsides. And I think that's, yeah. that's a good, uh, you know, kind of catchphrase to remember that even if we have all these big ambitions and hopes and dreams, and you think you just change the story by, you know, putting on a new shirt, you know, it's not necessarily the answer. Your insides, how you treat people, how you react with them. I think that's, that's critical. Yeah, absolutely. And especially in this day and age, you know, I talked earlier about the transparency of the web. It's almost like anything that can be known will be known. And by the way, if you don't have such a great personal brand and reputation, don't think that's going to disappear just because you jump ship, right? Because there's such a thing as back channeling. There are just different ways that people can, can uh, you know, get context on you. And so know that Life is long. And if you've made mistakes in the past, that's okay. Everybody grows, everybody learns. The, the, the point is to, to show how you're learning from those mistakes and keep growing. Um, and that's what I've noticed on people you know, that I've managed that one of the most important things that you can't, you, you can't give them is that, that hustle, that desire, that, that desire to keep growing and growing. You know, you know, many are happy and comfortable, but even if there are people who are missing skills or lack, you know, have big gaps, that desire and just communicating that desire, whether it happens now or not, that's fair, but just, I think rewarding understanding that, that, they're, that they're really going after it. And, yeah. you know, the last thing I wanna talk about in this journey is we've talked about, you know, assessing yourself, finding your gaps, getting feedback, all those things, making a plan, um, looking for it, but how do you activate that? Let's say, let's say, okay, I've done all my homework. I know what I wanna do. And you started to talk about a little bit about asking or at least helping your manager know so they're not mind reading. What other advice do you have on, on once I've got this new personal brand figured out, how do I put that into play? Yep. Well, I, I, I guess I would make ties back to the momentum rebrand and, you know, in some ways you're, you're, you're sort of flipping the switch when you make a, a, a company uh, rebrand, but still we talked about, you know, having that hook to your past and maintaining ties to your heritage. I think that's, you know, in the personal world as well, that's true, right? You're the same, you were the same human being tomorrow that you are today and so it's sort of like you know there are things you can do to quote unquote activate but but I think they happen over time right you evolve over time I think even your, your personal brand evolves quite a bit over time I think back to what I wanted to be known for when I was a, a couple of years into my marketing career right I wanted to be known for being really good at certain aspects of my day job and for being a good cross-functional collaborator and someone who could work well with others and, you know, there are elements of that that, of course, are the main importance throughout your career. But uh, I was probably less thinking about how I wanted to be known as a strategist or a leader or a people manager or, you know, there are so many other different dimensions of, of, of leadership that are important to me these days. And it's probably less about the specific skills and the nuts and bolts of marketing. So your, your personal brand will continue to evolve. And I, I, I think you, these things don't happen overnight. It's really hard work rebranding. And... Uh, you know, you've probably heard the phrase that, you know, trust is consistency over time. I think brand is also consistency over time and really delivering on the promises uh, that you that you lay out there. And uh, yeah, just think about how, again, your words, your actions and the way that others experience you're coming together to deliver on the promise of that personal brand. Oh, that's fantastic. 
Well, we're getting close on time here. So I think we'll just end with that. That's some great advice of just focusing on all of those elements of what you say and what you do and how you act and all of that. Thank you so much, Leela, for joining us here on Real Creative Leadership. I'm sure we'll have some follow-up on this on, you know, more details on how you as a, as a creative leader can rebrand yourself or build on your current brand and, and, and become a better person in the future. So thank you everyone for joining us. This has been great. Great real world advice from, from Leela. Thanks Thank for being you. on the show. Thank you so much, Adam. It's been really fun. And now before we part, I do want to give an opportunity. So if anyone wants to follow you or catch up with you, you know, what are the best ways for them to find you? What platforms are you on or, or where can we learn more about your awesome career as you continue to grow? All the usual places. So LinkedIn, I'm pretty, pretty findable. Uh, I guess the hot tip is it looks like you can't connect with me. I think you have to click on another button and then you can, you can send an invitation to, to connect. Not my doing. I'm sorry. Something happened at LinkedIn. Um, and then Twitter as well. I'm Leela Shrin, L-E-E-L-A-S-R-I-N. So feel free to reach out on either, either platform. I, I love to connect with like-minded folks. Excellent. Thank you so much. And then as always, you can find us at realcreativeleadership.com. You can find me at adamwmorgan.com. The stokegroup.com is where you can get help from uh, if you need to scale or, or, or get some more creative juices into your, into your flow. Uh, they're an awesome partner in, in making this happen. So all the different ways that you can reach us. And the big ask at the end here is it's just to get involved with us. We would, we would really appreciate it. You know, go out there, share, like, uh, respond, follow, whatever you need to do to, to give us some feedback so we know if this show is worthwhile in your career growth. So thank you so much. And we will see you at our next episode. Thanks for listening to Real Creative Leadership. I'm your host, Adam Morgan. And this series was brought to you by The Stoke Group. For the most effective marketing, use both sides of your brain to align your strategy, creative, execution, and analysis. Connect with the Stoke Group for help designing each step of your marketing plan and creating a coherent vision. Visit thestokegroup.com to learn more.